Two KG Sports Minds have created a podcast to answer one very important question. What's the spread? Now here are your hosts, Brad Thomas and Miles Markowitz. National championship game is set, which means that wild card weekend is here and football season is winding down, my friends. It's kind of sad, actually. Like, I'm super stoked for the national championship, but I am going to miss football. All right, let's uh, talk about what happened on my favorite day of the year, playoff Saturday. Uh, we had the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State and Clemson. It was a heartbreaker. It, it, it was a classic. I knew it was going to be. Yeah. And, I, and I knew that the teams were going to be evenly matched. And there's been so much reaction from Buckeye Nation, and I, I've had a lot of time to process this. I can tell you that what I want to do is I want to talk about what happened, and I want to get my perspective on it, I want to get your perspective, and then I want to put it behind me. But I will say that usually in a tough loss like this, I'm able to move on from it. This one is going to hurt for a long time. Yeah, no, it's totally understandable. The, the game was yours to win, also yours to lose, but it, in my opinion, I felt that the swing of, the, the swing of momentum that happened after the, uh, the 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 incompletion call, when when that was clearly a catch and a fumble, that changed the tide of the game. In in my experience as a fan and a lover of the game, the referees should not dictate the outcome of a football game. But as a referee, you have to know that if you overturn that game that that call, not only are you taking points off the board, but you are changing the flow, the momentum of the game which is dictating the outcome of the game. And you could argue that the targeting call, you know, dictated the flow of the game even yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that really, you know, but but, but at, at that same time, you know, I make the argument of, yes, you're right. You know, it, it, it really did feel like the refs dictated the, not the outcome, but the, the momentum the flow, yeah. of the game uh, too many times, uh, which is really frustrating. But Ohio State had every chance to win the game. They come out, right, in the first quarter and a half, and they just smack yeah. the Tigers in the mouth. I mean, it was downhill running. It was winning the battle in the trenches up front, getting to Trevor Lawrence on every play. I mean, I I couldn't believe how well they were playing. But for me, the result of the game came down to one thing, and I'll get to that in a second. But first, I want to say at the end of the game, Ohio State had a chance, not just one, but two chances to win the game on defense and offense, all right? So in the fourth quarter, they had Clemson pinned inside their own 10. Yep. That was your chance to win it on defense. You stop them there. Don't let them get past midfield. Don't let them get the touchdown, but they get the touchdown in about five plays. Then you get two minutes and timeouts on offense. You get a chance to win the game there, and you can't get it done there either. Why, right? This is what it comes down to. And this is what I told everybody in my circle and my family and Buckeye Nation and Everybody was really frustrated with my response, but this is what this is what I want to come in with. To me, it was a program and experience difference. Yeah. I believe that that night, just that night, I do think Ohio State was the better team. And I think that for 75% of that game, they played like they were the better team. But as it stands right now, Clemson is the better program. And they proved it because when everything was against them, Throughout that game, getting outplayed. Yes. They find a way to win, and especially highlighting Trevor Lawrence's ability as a sophomore. This kid, unbelievable, just starts to use his running ability. And he did it a little bit against Bama um, last, last year. Last year, yep. 
in the championship game, but that was more uh, of uh, where he was really using his passing ability. Yeah. But Clemson realizing that they couldn't run the ball with ETN, and Trevor Lawrence ends up with about 110 rushing yards against Ohio State. It's it's moments like that. I mean, they're champions. Champions. They found a way to win. And you could argue, and I know that Buckeye Nation is doing it, that we got no breaks in that game. And I hear you. There are about 10 plays that if one of those plays goes our way, we probably win the game. But at the end of the day, you got to give Clemson credit for finding a way to win the game in a game where it looked like they were outmatched. Absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. They they come out in in the opening and... No matter the ending result, they win the game 29-23, but they were overmatched. If Ohio State converts two of their three red zone trips in the first half into touchdowns, it's a 24-0 lead. That's what's really baffled me, too, is the inability to convert into touchdowns. And at when you get to this level, when you get to the, the semifinal and the final, you cannot leave points on the field. Right. And that was something that Clemson didn't do. All right, so I'm going to take from one of my favorite coaches in the country, James Franklin. I will never forget uh, a couple years ago in a classic uh, in the horseshoe, Ohio State versus Penn State, when Ohio State came back uh, from an 18-point deficit. And James Franklin said that that is a game that an elite program wins. We're a great program. We got to find a way to get to an elite level. Yeah. To me, I think he was talking about within the Big Ten. But here I'm going to talk about on a national level, all right? Alabama and Clemson right now are the elite programs in college football. You cannot tell me otherwise. You're ridiculous to say otherwise. Those are the two elite programs that every other program is trying to catch. Yes. All right? I will put in the second tier, Ohio State and Oklahoma, they are great programs. But they are still trying to catch Alabama and Clemson. And why do I put Clemson in that great category? Because of their consistency. Absolutely. And because they dominate the Big 12 every year and because they find themselves in the playoff almost every year. Yeah. All right? Oklahoma, yeah. Next, I got Georgia and LSU as very good programs, all right? LSU has been on the brink of being a very good program, and I finally put them in that spot now yeah. uh, with their change in philosophy. It's not just Burrow. I do, and we'll get to the this The philosophy later. change is, is it's huge. It helped create Burrow. Right, uh, and, and, I, and I think that uh, losing Burrow, I still think that LSU is going to be a very good program, Same. and they proved that. Yep. Uh, I put Georgia in there as well. And then I got a next level of good programs, Auburn and Penn State, I would put in that category. Yep. You know, those teams that are trying, you know, Penn State does have a Big Ten title uh, in the past five or six years, uh, but those are teams that are still trying to chase the best in their own conference. And then I got Pac-12, ACC, Big 12. They're all trying to play catch-up. Yeah. I, you know, for, for Pac-12, I, I almost put Oregon in the good program category, but they're still on the verge. Yeah. Uh, I almost put Washington in there, but they've taken a step back. Uh, ACC, I don't see anybody besides Clemson. Uh, Big 12, I don't see anybody besides Oklahoma. True. You know, the, the, true the SEC statement. and the Big 10 to me are the class of college football. Easily the class. And that, that's what's, that, I think that is what is, makes it so exciting for me and probably for you because we know week in and week out our conference is going to represent when you have all the other conferences. You literally can watch an ACC game, any other team that's not Clemson, and have no idea what's going to happen. You, it might be the most boring game you've ever watched, the best game you've ever watched, but you know these two teams will never compete for a national championship. And, you know, I, I don't want the Twitter mafia coming after me for Buckeye Nation when I when I keep saying that Ohio State is not an elite program. You know, they're, they have been an elite program in recruiting yeah. and in the way that they handle their business and a Big Ten championships. But for me, it's about what you do on the national level. For me, and I've been saying this for years, what have you done in the playoff? What have you done for me lately? In modern college football, it's what have you done in the playoff? Yep. Because those are the wins 
that add up and create the elite programs like Alabama and Clemson because both Alabama and Clemson have taken their punches to the face in the playoff and have their playoff losses. Yep. But what do they do? They come back and they win national championships. You know, unfortunately for for, for Ohio State, you know, we, we win the first ever playoff in 2014. It's been six years since then. Yeah. All right? Our other playoff appearance besides this was a 31-0 loss to Clemson where we didn't even belong. Yep. Yeah, we proved that we belong this year, but you still lose the game. So for me, I appreciate, you know, you'll uh, ask anybody this, but I, I appreciate these big regular season wins more than anybody else. You know, I, I love it when Ohio State wins a big game. But from a national perspective, you can't say that you're an elite program unless you're winning these games against other elite programs. Absolutely. And for me, it's Bama and it's Clemson. Uh, so that's what it comes down to, and that's what I wanted to highlight. Um, we're getting there. And, and I think that Ryan Day, you know, what we did with first-year head coach and, and a first-year starting quarterback, I could not be more proud of Ohio State. And in all year, I was saying it's the year of the Buckeye. Like, I feel like this is our year. And in a way, it was because I really n- may have not seen a better Buckeye team. We just didn't get the breaks when we needed them. It's To me, it's crazy to think about. I, I didn't really noticed that like and, and this is ignorance of my part i watched a lot of buckeye games you know that i didn't realize how many first and second round players you guys have on your team until you guys were against another team that had a lot of first and second round players man god were you guys loaded if yeah you convince at least half of those players that come back i mean loaded with scary. talent man i mean three of them that i can name off the bat that i've already declared uh akuda yeah. dobbins and chase young yeah you know i saw somebody tweet this out the other day and i agreed you know ohio state or teams like ohio state alabama clemson we lose talent every year but for ohio state these are three legends that we yeah. are losing oh my I god i mean top level players so the, it's the, tough it, it it hurts because you had that much talent and, you know, you you were right there yep. uh, against the defending national champion, you know, and Ryan Day said the best before the game, you know, you know, everyone started to ask, do you guys feel disrespected? Everyone picking Clemson. It's like, you know what? If you want respect, go out and beat the defending national champion. Yep. And, and, and I'm like, yes, because that's what it comes down to. And don't blame the refs. Don't, you know, and, and I'm glad that we, uh, Pointed out the rest because they did dictate some of the momentum in the game. But in these games, you it's up to you. Yeah, you have every to, opportunity to, to win that. the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm good. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the LSU game. Yeah, let's talk about the LSU game. And talk about how Oklahoma did not belong. It, <sighs> Joe Burrow, a performance for the ages. My I God. Mean, you, you talk about that dude. Just, you know, for and for Oklahoma... Didn't belong. Uh, you know, you you have to think who would have given him a better game in that four spot. Um, I think Bama would have given him a better game in that four spot. Yeah. Just because of the sheer talent of the SEC and because it would have been in their second time playing. Yep. Um, if Bama finds a way to beat Auburn, I think Bama's in. Yes. And if, we have a great one four instead matchup. Instead of Oklahoma. Yeah. And we have a really good one four matchup. You know, for Oklahoma, year in and year out, they make the playoff and they can't win a damn playoff game. Yeah. Uh, they're 0 4 now. 0-4, Brad, in, in in playoff games. Miles, Oklahoma, who in the Big 12 always has a great offensive line. Their offensive line could not do a damn thing against LSU's pass rush. Listen, every person in the world who is begging for a playoff expansion 
that game right there hurt almost any shot of, of the committee to, to really consider. Because every year, it's one or two or one or three teams that have a chance to win the national championship. Right. And then there's always a straggler behind that they have to put in because they have to do four teams. Yeah. And you and I said that yes. before the playoffs started. We yes. said, oh, what is Oklahoma doing here? It's disgusting. Uh, so... And, and you and I believe that there were only three teams that yep. were capable of winning the national championship, and we were right. Last year, it was only two teams. It's so gross. Bama and Clemson were the only ones that could. This year, Ohio State edged themselves in there, and, and, and LSU was there. But, yeah, for me, there's only two or three teams every year that can actually win the title. Yeah. So, you know, that four is enough. And, you know, Ohio State winning as a four seed uh, in, in the first ever playoff, yeah. you know, that, that makes me think, okay, then let's keep it at four. Four is good. But an expansion at this point, I think, is a waste of time uh, and a waste of resources. Also, the day that a three-loss team wins a national championship because we expanded the playoffs I'm out. will taint football. Yeah. It'll make it almost as pointless as watching basketball. And don't get me wrong. I love basketball. But most of the games in college basketball and NBA don't matter. Every single game in football matters. I completely agree because we haven't had a two-loss team even Correct, and I the love playoff. the fact that and, and, that... and that's how it should be. Yes. If you have two losses, you, shouldn't be you should be eliminated from playoff consideration. You should not be allowed to have a chance to play for the highest prize in college football. Right. It should come down to one loss in undefeated teams. Yes. And if there's a crazy college football season like 2007 where there's all these two-loss teams, then okay, that's fine. Yeah. But in, in today's day and age, it doesn't happen with all these elite programs. So, you know, it's funny. I've been such an advocate for expansion, and I thought it would be so cool to have playoff games in home stadiums. Yeah. But at this point, I don't really see the merit. No. 63 to 28, Brad. 63 to 28 in a game that was supposed to be the two or two of the best teams in the in the nation. And you know, we we also said this before the playoffs started, the average score or the average winning margin in first or in semifinal games is 22 points. And it's going to be even higher now because yeah. of the 63-28 win. I think it's probably going to be around a 25-point average scoring difference. That's alarming. That game was disrespectful to, 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 on all kinds of levels. So we'll we'll preview it next week. But yes. now but now we got LSU and Clemson. What are your brief thoughts for this game? My brief thoughts there. Clemson proved that they could face adversity. That if they are healthy at the wide receiver position, they their wide receivers had the toughest the toughest test playing against a, a team full of all American wide receivers. LSU doesn't have a pass rush like you guys have. I am actually think the games will be a lot closer. I think I see the lines moving the opposite direction, which kind of makes me excited. I, no way in hell do I think Clemson gets beat by double digits. So if the line keeps jumping, let the public slam money on LSU. Regardless of LSU wins, I don't think they win by ten or more. I I do agree that I think it it'll be you know I think Clemson stands more of a chance than people are giving them credit yeah. for. It'll uh, be a fun money line bet. Yeah, because. To your point, uh, the pass rush, uh, just starting with the defensive prowess. I mean, I think Ohio State has a much more talented defense than LSU. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I do too. Easily. I, I think in the front seven, in the secondary, I think that they presented much more of a challenge. ETN couldn't run the ball for five yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lawrence was having trouble with his receivers because they kept getting injured. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily see LSU having any problems uh, throwing the ball. No. Um, but, uh, but on the other side of the ball for, for Clemson, I don't think Lawrence is going to have any trouble throwing the ball either. Yep. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I mean, for me, it, it's almost a toss-up. You know, I I want to give the advantage to, to you know to Joe Burrow and LSU because it, it almost is starting to feel like their year. Yeah. But 
Brad, we're talking about Clemson. They've won what, like twenty? I don't even remember twenty-eight, twenty-seven games in a row. Miles, if that line moves to seven, I am hammering Clemson money line. Yeah. Why not? Right. The yeah. value in that would be you're gonna triple your money. Yeah. So, so that's my opening analysis: is that don't start uh, saying that Clemson doesn't have a shot. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. They, they they absolutely have a shot just because of the the the, the matchup with LSU is so much different than the matchup yeah. with Ohio State. It's just uh, it's the teams are just so different. Um, and if it was Ohio State versus LSU, that's another really different, different match- matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know what? It's it, it, it's going to be a great national title game. I think that at the end of the day, we have our two best teams. Yeah, um, it's going to be fun for for this year. All right. Wild card. Wild card weekend, weekend. literally starts. Today, we are ready to talk about these games. Listen, I've gone back and forth on these games about five or six times, but I cannot wait to talk about a couple of these games. So let's start off. We have the Buffalo Bills playing today at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. The Texans are a three-point favorite. Miles, what you got for me? All right, Bills and Texans, 4.35 p.m. Eastern Time kick. Guess what? I'm going with the Buffalo Bills on the road plus... Three. The Bills, 6-1-1 one, one against the spread on the road this season. Texans are 2-6 and six against the spread at home this season. And when I saw that number, it made so much sense to me. Because I lost so much money betting the Texans this year. Yeah. So I actually like the Bills defense here. The Bills coming in ranked third in total defense. The Texans defense ranks near the bottom of very crucial statistical categories. 25th in rush yards allowed per game. 29th. And pass yards allowed per game. Opposing offenses converting 71% of their red zone trips into touchdowns. That is the highest rate in the league. And you know who I really like in the red zone in this game? Josh Allen. Josh Allen has accounted for 9 of 13 rushing touchdowns for the Buffalo Bills team this year. We know that Allen still has a lot of work to do as a thrower. And the Bills offense as a whole has a lot of work to do. Yeah. But from what I've seen with the Bills in big games this year, and they've been right in it to the end with some really tough teams... I like the Bills plus three. Now, normally, I'm going to take the better quarterback in the playoffs. And I think Deshaun Watson is absolutely the better quarterback. But Deshaun Watson was also sacked 44 times. My God. This year. I'm, Miles, listen, this, this, what I'm going to say, Hit this me. stat alone almost changed my opinion. Opposing offenses have converted 71% of their red zone trips into touchdowns against the Texans this season. Highest rate in the league. But, I honestly do believe there are two things, three things that I really love about the Texans here. Terrible out, terrible against the spread at home. But momentum with JJ Watt coming back to play. The favorite in this matchup is four and one. And also Levi Wallace, their corner, their second corner is out. Well, questionable, but looking like he's going to be out. I'm just going to hope and pray that the Texans win this matchup. Because I think that if they can unleash their offense, the Bills at averaging 19.6 points per game will not have enough offense to compete. It, it's really going to come down to how well the Bills' defense comes. Yes, because uh, the, the Bills will have to they will have to live up to that 16 points per game. I was about to say, they have to be the top three they defense have to, yeah. uh, in order for them to win this game. Uh, I will also say that out of, out of the four games, this is what I'm most excited about. Yes, I can't wait. I'm glad it's the first one. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move over to the Titans and the Patriots. The Patriots are five-point favorites, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff in Foxborough, Massachusetts. We know how good Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown have been, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no denying that. Yep. 
you could argue the Titans are one of the hottest teams in the entire league. The Patriots are coming in second in the league in passing yards a lot per game. So something is going to have to give here. Miles, I literally... Okay, so for you guys who don't know, my roommate is a Boston guy. He loves Boston. I went to this game, and I, as I was doing my analysis, I said everything out loud. Sometimes it's easier to say it out loud, so I'm going to do what I did. If I take any of your stats or anything, I apologize. It's all right. Go ahead. The Patriots, in their last six, two or four against the spread. Their last six versus the AFC, two and four against the spread. But that is not really what jaded me towards this decision because it always, it always is about how you finish the game, but it's really about how your team you're playing finished the season. The Titans have proved they can win on the road five and three. But in their last seven games, they're five and two against the spread in their last seven. They have struck gold with the threesome. Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has turned this team around because they know that Derrick Henry will go out there and average his 120 yards per game. He's turning into one of the best backs in the league. I am going with the Tennessee Titans plus five. Why? Sure. Titans suck on the road. 0-6. It's not about winning the game when the spread is five points. It's about just staying in the game long enough to where you either win or lose on a field goal. I'm taking the points here. And like I said, hard to argue with how hot the Titans have been. Uh, For me, it comes down to history. You know how I feel about the Patriots at home. You especially know how I feel about the Patriots at home in the playoffs, especially in a wild card matchup. If this was a second round divisional matchup, uh, I I, I may feel different. And I think that wherever the Patriots go next week, if they win, they're going to lose. Yep. uh, Because I just I just don't think it's their year. Uh, seven and two against the spread in their last nine playoff games. Most of those have been at home, if not all of them. Uh, and, and they still have the number one ranked defense in the NFL. So I gotta believe that Belichick and his coaching staff is gonna put together that game plan um, where we think that the Patriots are finally going to have trouble in the playoffs. But at home here and only a five point spread, I'm gonna take Brady and New England. But to your point, I mean. The Titans have the better offense right now. Yeah. But I still think the Patriots have the better defense. They definitely have so the better defense. The, uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's going to be between that matchup, who wins. You know, can the Titans put up points here uh, in this really tough matchup for them on the road, in the playoffs, in the wild card game? A five-point spread. Man. It's going to be interesting because because I think, you know, uh, more than anything, that this game will will truly show us where the Patriots are right now. Yeah, if the Patriots you know. are really ready to compete for at the highest level for a Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. Another thing that is going to be really interesting to see, how banged up is Julian Edelman? Is he really playing with broken ribs? I mean, there's no Adore Jackson, uh, no Malcolm Butler for the Titans. So they're going to be, you know, they're going to be having to find someone who's willing to cover um, Edelman, but if he's not 100%, we're going to see. It's going to be a tough test for the Patriots. A lot tougher than I'm thinking people are going to give me credit. I'm going to say one thing. People were texting me this morning, and they say, Brad, how do you like this parlay? Brad, how do you like this play for Patriots minus five? I said, personally, if you're going to bet Patriots minus five, take it out of a parlay because I don't want that to be the ru- reason it ruins your parlay. It's the game that I'm not I, – I can honestly see the Patriots destroying, but I can also see the Patriots struggling. That's what scares me in this one. Before we move on into the Sunday games, uh, I do want to say uh, last two seasons on Wild Card Weekend, all right, uh, the road teams have all been underdogs. 
and they're eight and zero against the spread. <sighs> so I, I I actually saw that that trend and and I was like, you know what? I, I I remember that happening last year, but man, I forgot that it happened two years in a row. Yeah, where both wild card weekends, the road teams were all underdogs and they all beat the spread. That's pretty. That so keep that in mind when you're making your wild card bets. Also, uh, this weekend. what I think happens too, and you know how the public can destroy the lines. The line movement on this one hasn't been crazy for the Bills, but I'm sure the line movement for tomorrow's games, this Saints number is going to go way past seven and a half. Yeah, I think it's going to get to eight. Speaking of Viking Saints, uh, on Sunday, 105 p.m. Eastern time kick, the Saints are seven and a half point favorites. Dalvin Cook should play. Should play, yes. That is more important than any player on either team. Drew Brees and all. If Dalvin Cook does not play, or he is on a carried restriction, give me seven and a half all day. Yeah, I, I'm I'm also all over the Saints here, seven and a half. The Sharps are all, all all over the Saints here, seven and a half, and I I don't always agree with them, but I I I I I, I, I got to go here. I would feel better losing the Saints minus seven and a half bet yes. than losing a Vikings Easily. plus seven and a half bet. Easily. You know, like, that's really what it comes down to for me. I got to feel way more comfortable going with the Saints here. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot to talk about. First of all, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you and I both picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. We did. A My big, bet's still sitting there. Hey. Yeah, yeah, hello. <laughs> a big reason for me was the heartbreak that the Saints have had in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, and one of them was against these very Vikings. Saints come in with a 13-3 record, but the NFC is so good that they got to get through the wild card round. Yes. But I think this is going to be a pretty easy first-round matchup for the Saints. I really do. They have scored 34 or more points in six of their last seven games. The Vi- You think the Vikings can keep can keep up with them there? No. Uh, with how well the Saints have been against the run? The Saints are coming in with a fourth-ranked defense against the run, so even if Dalvin Cook does play, he's not going to be 100% healthy. Nope. And they're not going to be able to rely on Dalvin Cook to dictate the pace of the game. The Saints are going to dictate the pace of the game. There's a reason that they're such a heavy favorite here. Can I tell you something? Let me just go ahead and, and, and say this, Miles. <clears throat> I'm glad you said it because it's about pace of, pace of the game and play. The Saints are phenomenal at controlling the ball while still running a ton of plays. Why I say that? Because you look at teams like uh, the Titans, who average like, what, 58 plays per game or something like that. Um, they control the ball a lot, but they're, the defense isn't actually doing much. You know what I mean? So it's not like they have time of possession and the defense is working hard. The defense is getting in their stance. Check. Look around. Check. The, page, uh, the, the, the Saints run about 63 plays per game while controlling the ball, which means the defense is working and they're on the field a ton. Also, a lot of that has to do with how good the Saints' defense is. They're right. good at getting off the field. So those three things combined makes me kind of feel that the loss of Kendricks for the Vikings is going to be a bigger blow than they think. I'm going I'm going Saints minus seven and a half here. One more thing I want to talk about is I'm very – I've gotten very, I guess you'd say addicted recently um, to looking at home and away splits, but I was doing it wrong. I okay. was like looking at the home and away splits where – the Vikings are four and four on the road. They have four wins on the road, which is pretty good. Whatever for a team, for a team that's nine and six. I mean ten and six. Those four wins: Lions, Cowboys, Chargers, Giants. Let's see who they lost to: Seahawks, Chiefs, Bears, Packers. Every good team they played, they lost to on the road. 
And a lot of that has to come down to Kirk Cousins. A lot of it. Because he's been so inconsistent and so unable. Prime time Cousins. Right. To step up in big games. This is the only football game on at one o'clock. It's not prime time, but it will be the only thing that all of America is watching. And to your point that you said earlier, I I, I do think this line will move more. I think it's going to get higher. Uh, But as high as it gets, I'm still going with the Saints here because I think the Vikings are completely overmatched. So even though we disagree on our Saturday games, we can both agree on Saints minus seven and a half. All right, what do we got next? Next, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. It's a 442 Eastern kick, and listen, 440 Eastern kick. This line is gross. Let's just be real. Seahawks minus one and a half miles. Give me the Seahawks. Seahawks have been dominant on the road this season at 7-1, and one, but the last five times they've played a game in Philly, they've covered all five times and i couldn't believe that even at home philadelphia opened as the favorite here so now the seahawks are the first road favorite in the on wildcard weekend the last three years and for good reason in this one i'm strictly going with the quarterback matchup russell wilson versus carson wentz uh russell wilson has a much better against the spread record against the eagles uh against wentz than wentz has against wilson seattle five two and one against the spread on the road this season uh nine and one straight up in their last 10 games as road favorites uh, both teams are decimated by injuries right now. Destroyed. It's um, gross. Yeah, so so that is something to keep in mind. But you know what the story with the Eagles has been all year is that they've had, they've been dealing with injuries all year. Carson Wentz has nothing to work with. Uh, I think that Russell Wilson here has more of an ability uh, to create those plays that are good enough to win the game. And yes, this is not a given. It, it, it is so difficult, especially to go into Philadelphia yeah. in the playoffs uh, and win the game. But for me, this is this is basically a pick em. And I'm going to go with the team that has shown to be, I mean, Russell Wilson was an MVP talk. Russell Wilson is the difference. Yeah. The absolute reason why your money should be more than comfortable going on Seattle, whether it be a road game or a away game, whether they have 85-year-old Marshawn Lynch eating Skittles while he's in the backfield, doesn't matter. Russell Wilson is the reason. Don't. Don't give me this crap. Like, Philadelphia has great receivers, great running backs. They don't. Philadelphia has to rely on their defense, and Carson Wentz, they are just as banged up as as the Seahawks. Give me the Seahawks, please. And, and the Eagles have played inferior competition. All uh, season. To, uh, yeah, all, all, all season. Yeah, and the Seahawks here were, what, three inches away from winning the division and beating the Niners? Uh, the Seahawks are one of the best teams in the NFC. Yes. Uh, so with uh, at only one and a half points, uh, I would never bet on the Eagles here just because the Seahawks are by and far the better football team. And, uh, at, you know, as of right now, Russell Wilson is the better quarterback. Absolutely. I do think Carson Wentz is very talented. And really, this year, with no weapons on offense, he's showing us what he can do. I'm starting to believe a little bit more in Wentz now uh, than I was before uh, his injury. But, uh, dude, Russell Wilson is one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Uh, and right here, uh, not going to go against him. So it looks like that we agree on the Sunday games. I think that our Saturday games are much better than our Sunday games. Yeah. <laughs> and that is just because of... Uh, how good these teams in the in, in the NFC are. You know how good Seattle and New Orleans is. Uh, it, it's it's crazy, man. Uh, the the NFC is by far wild the better card conference. weekend. The NFC this season has a chance to really prove. Think about the NFC teams that that had the chance to come out. In, in my opinion, I think it's going to be the 49ers, the Saints, and honestly. And the AFC, I think it's going to be Baltimore or the Chiefs. Sorry, Patriots fans. I would like the NFC in those matchups. I would even take a a 49ers Ravens rematch. Yeah, I I mean I, I'm I'm leaning towards 
Niners Ravens just, just because to me the Niners have been the most complete team yeah. in the NFL and it, it's very rare these days in the NFL to see a such a complete team yep uh in every facet of the game defense offense special teams they're consistent uh it, it's hard to bet against the Niners hard to bet against the Ravens just because Lamar Jackson is the best player in the world right now yeah but I could see whoever comes out of the NFC they're just the superior conference, and, and and I could see the Ravens or the Chiefs being overmatched. I was looking at the AFC um, futures that to start this week. It's literally like uh, plus one hundred and twenty, plus one hundred fifty for the uh, for the Ravens. Then the Chiefs are like plus. I think I got them at plus three hundred. After that, oh, the Patriots are like plus four hundred, plus five hundred. After that, it's like plus three thousand. Yeah, it, they know. They know what's going to happen. Yeah. We know it's it's the, the writing's on the walls. It's four teams that can win it. I'm but, excited. But for me, you know, I'm going to stick with the Saints. I'm going to stick with our Super Bowl pick. I'm hoping uh, Saints Chiefs, um, so I can win money either way. There you go. I have both teams and futures bets. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I believe that we both had Saints Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, unless one of us had the Pats, but uh, it was a long time ago. But Let's go with a what's the spread Super Bowl winner pick. <laughs> so let's go with the New Orleans Saints. It starts on Sunday. I think it starts with a dominating performance on Sunday. Yes. Uh, I would rather have them play the Packers. Are they the? F- they're the five. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The Saints are the three or the four. The Saints are the three seed. So they would play the Packers. Yeah. yeah. Much easier road. Yes. Uh, I, so I, I I think Saints beat the Vikings. I think they beat the Packers in Lambeau. Yep. Uh, and then I think they played the Niners in an NFC title game for the ages. Another rematch. That was probably the game of the year. Yeah. Ah, uh, God. Man, let's get it. Thank you guys so much for listening to What's the Spread. Please be sure to download the podcast, rate, and also subscribe. I hope you guys win a ton of money uh, this weekend. Best of luck to you. Oh, yeah. Hey, guess what? We're going to be in Vegas for March Madness this year. So if you're in Vegas and you want to link up with us and make some crazy sports bets, hit us up.